Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I'm Rob Lucuria, Senior Editor at Gold Derby, here with Oscar nominee Colin Farrell. First of all, mate, congratulations on your Oscar nomination. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. It's so exciting. Like, I, by now, this, this should have been not nomination number, like, five or something. But unfortunately, you know, we have had to wait this long for you to get there. And um, where were you on the morning of or afternoon of when you found out? Couldn't have happened for a better film, by the way. And when I say better film, I don't mean the quality of the film or anything like that, but just the fact that... Um, there's so many of us now, part of it, you know, the four, the four of us actors got in, Kerry, Barry, Brandon, Martin, Carter Burwell, the film got a Best Picture nomination, like, so I'm pinching myself, I don't feel like I'm having to go through this on my own, not that it's, I'm talking about, you know, anything, that, <laughs> yeah. anything that's desperate or negative, but to be able to share the experience with others means that it feels at least less self-serving, do you know yeah. what I mean? I can get to celebrate all my crew. We get to share it together. We get to go to the events together. I get to see people that like, there's times where I don't through the 15 years since in Bruges, where I haven't seen Brendan for two or three years. And then I'd go home and go out to his place for a cup of tea or we'd be, he'd be in LA and we'd go out and grab a bite. But uh, I've gotten to see loads of him and loads of Kerry and loads of Martin over the last two months. So it's just been, it's been really joyful. I was in my house and Kerry came over under the cover of knife, knife in her pajamas, uh, knocked on the door because it's ridiculous o'clock in the morning when they give the when they release the thing, you know, when they do it live, they pull the names like a really fancy form of bingo. And uh, so Kerry knocked on the door five o'clock in the morning. She came in. My two sisters were there, one brother-in-law, my youngest kid. I woke him up even though he had school in a couple <laughs> of hours. And he came down, I put the kettle on, made cups of tea and the box of Ferrero Rocher and after eights came out and we had some chocolate and tea and, and watched it. And it was a great, it was just so much fun. So we're all trying to, you know, treat it with the kind of lightness and the, the, the sense of the celebratory that it deserves, you know, and none of us, none of us fundamentally seem to take it too serious in the way that it's, you know, yeah 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 of course like, yeah keep tension away from just enjoy it it's lovely it'll be over all of this will be over in four weeks man forever and you just it's get a moment but it's you a will moment. always be oscar nominee colin farrell finally and yeah nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that and you know like a lot of us were expecting to see you and brendan there and, and some of the um you know the, the the craft people behind the scenes but to have um carrie and barry there as well is so cool like it's just the, the best yeah it's deadly it's deadly um, it's really fun yeah Absolutely. I was wondering, like, this is my favorite film of 2022, right? So we could talk about it all day. I won't keep you here all day, though. So there's this beautiful, palpable melancholy that permeates the film that I found very impactful personally. I'm curious, if you weren't in this film, what would you have thought 
about the way that it contemplates things like sadness and emptiness that comes with the end of a relationship because it's something that we we don't really see very often i think i think whether or not any of us have experienced the um kind of sense of cruelty or the violence that having a relationship whether it's romantic or whether it's familial or whether it's a friendship coming to a very abrupt end when it's beyond our control particularly from the perspective of the person that feels like they have no agency perhaps um and gets the rug pulled from under them it's it's even if we haven't experienced that directly i think i would be able to watch this film and be perhaps just as a not just maybe not just as affected by it but affected deeply by it like you say you were and i'm not asking you if you've had a similar dynamic take place in your life or not because i think that we certainly myself all my life i mean as a kid in school even in my family in families we all jostle for attention you know if there's anything more than one child two it gets you know the jostling gets more desperate the more children there are and you wonder where you are in the pecking order where you are in the status because inevitably status always creeps into the human experience um or even the animal experience like the donkey on the film jenny had a support animal whose name was rosie and the attention that jenny got as opposed to the attention that rosie got i was like holy fuck even with donkeys people were pushing rosie out of the way to give jenny a pet you know um but so i you know i in school you you want to have friends you want to be liked you want to feel like you're included and the one thing that a lot of us fear in our experience as human beings is being excluded from any kind of community experience you know being told that you don't belong that you're not wanted and that's kind of essentially what takes place like and and it takes place between my character and the person who he kind of has placed all his self-worth in in a way like column's attention he knows Colm's interesting he knows Colm's a great musician he knows Colm's worldly and cultured and all this stuff so somewhere inside Park, he's just Colm's attention and friendship is a, is a really keen justification for for Park's very existence and so when that is taken from him so abruptly at the start of the film I mean it's you know it's a descent into kind of anger and loneliness and bitterness from the, that point on that by the end of the you know when you meet Park at the start he's full of the joys of life and connection yes he's a simple man yes there's an argument that he might be a bit dull um but he's connected he's connected to nature he's connected to his sister he's connected to the community in his own way and that's all been taken from him by the end of the film you know absolutely exactly because like Park is nice you know like and being yeah. nice is enough for a lot of people and I I like to be nice to people but then this film confronts that issue because Colm's like, no, I'm done with being nice because I'm getting older. I want to leave a legacy and I'm sick and tired of this. And so, and, and I understood that as well. And I just found that uh, for a film. To I did. Do, so interesting did. to me. Like, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I, well, when we were doing the film, myself and Brendan had, we had, a, we had a chat about each of us making it hard for the other person to say their lines you know, because of the kind of depth of shared experience that exists and the sense of history between the two characters, which we never really explore that much. The first time you see us, Colm has already decided to draw the line in the sand. I haven't found out about the line yet, but I find out within the first five or 10 minutes of the film. But the line is drawn from the first frame. So we never see the history, but because of the shared history and because of the depth of friendship, as I said, we, we particularly Brandon was saying, you know, 
you know, you're going to have to make it very hard for me to say my lines and I should make it hard for you. But it was always going to be harder for him to say his because Colm is a decent man. He's not an arsehole. He's not without consideration. He's not without compassion. Like the scene where he helps me up in the cart and he gives oh. me the reins and then he just pats my hand and, and off he goes. Like he's holding, he's holding hard to the decision that he's made and the commitment to his art and the commitment to the idea of legacy. But it is costing him. And by the end of the film, I tell you one thing, I didn't feel much pity for, for Colm while we were doing the film, like while we were in the scenes and while I was looking at Brendan, my heart didn't bleed for him. I think, as I said, it was harder for him because he was the one that was proactive. I was the one that was reactionary and on the back foot. So it was hard for him. He was the one that was pushing the cruelty. He was the one that was reshaping the relationship, apparently without any consideration for what I wanted, apparently. And that was his right, of course. But, but when I saw the film then, and I saw Brendan in the film and I saw his scenes with Carrie and I could look at his performance more objectively as a as an audience member as opposed to somebody who was on the other side of the political line uh I I felt deeply for his character and by the end of the film man I said to Brendan when we're on that beach at the end of the film it was almost like he shrank two feet he looks smaller he looks more diminutive he looked like a goblin he's broken by the pain of the pain of the stump and by everything that's gone on his house has been burnt down the community now is saying that he's lost his fucking mind he's lost his best friend you know I found it very sad I found the two of them in an awful amount of pain you know but I I really I kind of sided with Brendan part of me was going Jesus Christ just leave him alone He, he made it clear he said what he needs you know and so often our love is or what we call our love is very entangled in our own need rather than actually a pure love for the other. And I'm not even saying that from experience or anything, but it's often, you know, and so Porig Porig doesn't honor, like if Porig really had, you know, a kind of a pure, I want what's best for my friend column, even if I have to pay the price of pain for him to experience that, well, then he would have really went, look, I'll stay away. But he couldn't, his loneliness and his fear, which I, of course, empathize with having walked in his shoes a little bit, even in the realm of artifice, you know, it just, it disempowered him to to honor what Colin was so desperately, desperately asking for. I I mean, the first finger, if you didn't give it to him before, you think after the first finger. (laughs) Yeah, he'd be like, all right, I get it. Leave him alone, you know, but geez, I was like, God, Porik, you know, I mean. Tenacious. Um. You know, I was thinking, like, when you won a Golden Globe back, I think it was 2009, but in Bruges, you were so heartfelt. You talked about love and compassion and curiosity. Then you won this year for Banshees again. And the first thing you did was call out your presenter, Anna Damas, about how her performance made you feel. So it occurred to me, like, what does it mean to you when you hear people tell you how your performances make us feel? Yeah, then I got. I believe I got accused of having a flirt on the stage. I mean, nothing, I'm just, <laughs> I, I mean, those moments, man. The few times I've had those moments where your name gets called, you kind of go into a bit of a blackout zone. Do you know what I mean? And I just, honest to God, I, I, she gave me the thing, and and I, I didn't plan on saying anything to her. I just, I thought she was extraordinary in the film. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a few performances this year um, from male and female actors that just blew me away and really got under my skin and, and hers was one of them so like if Bill Nye had been giving me the award I would have talked about seeing living and you know but um 
sorry what was the question well how do you do you, does it occur to you that you do the same thing for us audiences because like your performances Patrick, and even in, in bruges like i still think about those performances and they made me that's feel cool. something. what does that mean to you well, that's lovely to hear that's really lovely to hear because it's not like an act of generosity it's not like you know abject altruism to be a performer and stuff but you're not doing it in a you're not doing it in your own in a, in a room you know you're not you're not practicing monologues on your own in a in a bedroom somewhere if you're making films or if you're getting on a stage whether it's you know you're reading an, from a book for an audience or you're performing music or you're working on scenes or doing a play or a film you're you're you are doing it for other people I mean you're doing it for yourself you you have to be selfish with it and the best way to honor any the creation of any artistic endeavor the best way to honor it is to really be quite selfish is to to honor what you find yeah. uh, provocative what you find upsetting what you find hopeful what you find a, a, a curiosity around and if you honor that well then inevitably by being singular you find the commonalities because we all are very very alike in lesser yeah. greater ways you know so so for you to say that honestly man it's really really cool because it doesn't always work out that way right i mean that's that's the idea that's the hope that whether it's just something that's made for entertainment's sake or something that's made for a, a reasons of maybe a little bit more profundity or that asks questions about the human condition and and how we are the way we are and why we do the things we do you know you're always wanting to reach an audience so that's yeah it's really cool for people to be affected by this film and for the film to stay with them and for you to say that you still think about ray or that Corrick or Colm or any of us Siobhan yeah. Dominic has stayed with it's really it's very wow. it's huge compliments thank you I just feel like you bring this compelling vulnerability to um your performances um and I'm wondering if that's something that is just you think is innately who you are or is it just whatever the script pr- provides you just do it what is that yeah whatever the script provides you know um you know man you just i mean curiosity as i'm saying takes you wherever it takes you and if if you're fortunate enough to to i mean the majority of actors in the world don't have the opportunity to go oh am i drawn to this or am i drawn to that or is that something i want to explore you know they're working actors and they're providing for their families and you're lucky enough as an actor if you're working if you get a commercial or you get a play or you get a bit part in a television show or so you know i've i've been very one of the one of the greatest presentations of good fortune in what i do is that i haven't been able to do there's plenty of jobs i've wanted to do over the years that someone else got ahead of me and all that kind of stuff but i have at times had choice and so it's allowed me to go where my curiosity takes me and with that in mind, I just love doing different things. Of course, the commonality with the different roles I've been able to assume is that I'm there. And no matter how different a character is from what you feel you are in life, you're still leaving from the port of your own experience and the port of your own perspective and the port of your own consciousness. So the character is still you, even if it's different because the creation of it is predicated upon you making judgments. Yeah, you know you're making judgments and so the judgment pool is you and then you know you you judge less you objectify less you become more of a subject of but um I just yeah I just want to do different things it's just it's more fun that way and I just I, I enjoy it more now than I ever did man I really do and I don't feel that I know more about it and I feel that you know yeah. it's it's I've, I find people and and the world 
infinitely fascinating. You know, I was saying, yeah. I was talking to Pete Hammond recently about not believing that there's such thing as a dull person. You know, there are people that I will bore. There are people that will bore me, but that says more about myself, you know, than, yeah. you know, if someone bores me, that says more about me than it does about them. If I bore someone that says more about them than it does about me. <laughs> True. You know, so so True. there are people that, that bore people, but there's no a human being. It's impossible for a human being to be fundamentally boring. If you take the time to talk to someone and yet find out about their life and their story and human beings are fascinating physically what's going on in our bodies, the amount of machinery and the amount of kind of intellect that's beyond our control. That is this human body that's coming together and crashing and colliding and complementing. And I mean, it's just so I, I you know, just getting to getting to. And and there's the glorification, you know, the the glorified dress up aspect of it. You know, you you get to keep, you get to keep a part of your childhood alive through the constant invocation of your imagination. You know, yeah. But I get a lot of that vulnerability and and just this compelling uh, side of you in things like you know, phone booth and uh, like uh, I'm Daredevil, even like um, even Total Recall. Like, this is something about your performances I think that are just so fascinating. Oh, thanks, you know, I was also thinking um, that, like, Martin McDonough films, I just love them. Every time one comes out, I'm, I'm so excited about it because I know what I'm going to kind of get, and then I get completely blown away. You've done three, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> what is it about him that <clears throat> maybe brings out the best in you? Like, what do you most value about working with him? Well, I will say the 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 because you use the word vulnerability, the the parts that he has given me in the three films and particularly in particularly in in Bruges and even more so than in Bruges somehow with Banshees um, are very vulnerable characters and they're characters that are going through some really taxing really internally aggressive psychological and emotional turmoil And I don't know, I just, Martin makes sense to me. As a writer, he makes sense to me. His stuff makes sense to me. Very much like the audiences who, like yourself, who favor his work that I've heard from through the years. I find his stuff at turns really tender and really kind of terrifying as well. You know, absolutely kind of, kind of brutal and also beautiful at the same time. Like I think like Brendan jumping off the tower in Bruges splat his body is just eviscerated he's only kind of a a torso and and everything else is just blood and guts and and yet there's a real moment of tenderness between he and i so he does he does that thing that he does it in a really extreme form and yet to me it doesn't some detractors may think it does but to me it doesn't feel like um overt manipulation it doesn't feel like anything for shock value it always feels earned and there's always consequences to every single action and every single diabolical decision that's made in his worlds, you know? Yeah. Um, I just love him as a writer. I just think he's brilliant. And I think he's an extraordinary director as well. And, and I love that he's nominated for a director at the Oscars. Cause yeah. I, I think sometimes people have, he's such a good writer that people have just focused on his writing, 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 and they haven't been able to see past the pen. And that he's actually an extraordinary director and he designed Banshees to within an inch of his life. I mean, he just every shot, every frame, every camera move. And yet it's still quite simple. It's not it's not overly busy, but there are some very particular. Like even the first time we see Carrie and we see the cottage, 
he he had the cottage designed so he could shoot the back door and see Kerry walking through the front door and then the camera comes up over the thatched roof and you get your kind of a look at the vastness of of Inish Erin, you know, and just yeah, a lot of the stuff, um, kind of John Ford stuff in the pub with the wide door yeah. and low shots, like a bit of a western. And he just he was extraordinary. He's just always extraordinary to work with. And I love being around the man. He's a dear friend. Such a good movie. Um so 2022 was a huge year for you. It just so happened a lot of your projects came out at the same time, probably because of the pandemic or whatever. And uh, Banshee's the Batman, 13 Lives, After Yang. So what will you take away from 2022 and how you've had this moment in the spotlight where you won all these awards? That was great. Yeah. It was great, yeah. Just, I mean, you know, as far as working as an actor, I just felt very spoiled, man. Just felt really spoiled. Like I just got to, again, I was saying, you know, doing different things it's not by design necessarily as I said it's just get the opportunity to read a few scripts and you're you're just I just you just find myself drawn to to one and you lean into one and you lean a bit away from another and and um it's just that kind of kind of alchemical thing of something happening you when you read something and you lean into it and not because you understand it it could be quite the opposite because it confounds you and sometimes you lean into something because you understand it and you want to understand it a bit more and but with that what was what was the four after yang 13 lives batman and she yeah yeah spoiled rotten you know yeah spoiled rotten man and got to work with like koganada who did you see columbus no so koganada's first feature he he's an he's a film essayist He's kind yeah. of a film historian and essayist. I'm and he has sure a- he did Pachinko. He did an episode of that, maybe. He um, did do a couple yeah. episodes. God, I, I think he might have done the first two of Pachinko yes. and maybe another one. But he look up um Columbus. Um, look up uh, John Show is in is in John Show plays his lead in Columbus and Haley Lou as well from who's also in After Yang. Look up check out Columbus. It's not unlike After Yang, it's a really gentle film. But it's gentle, and for me, it just pulled me in. It's it's very much a, a dialogue over an hour and a half about this man who goes back to his hometown where he was raised because his father is dying, and and this kind of platonic, romantic, somewhat relationship he has with this young woman, and it's really good. So I got to anyway to work with Coganada and after Yang was a dream. Matt Reeves, who's an utter yeah. Brilliant, brilliant filmmaker and storyteller, and so consumed with passion for the the lore and the origin of of the Batman and that world of Gotham. And then Ron Howard, who I you know I grew up watching Splash and Parenthood and Cocoon and and then all the other more more heady films and weightier films that Ron did subsequently. I mean, I, Ron's one of the great American storytellers. And then, of course, my old pal, Martin McDonough. So the answer is, I just felt spoiled, brother. But it, it wasn't all done in a year, you know? No, that's right. We all, as you said, it was all, that, that's everyone was like, oh, my God, what a year you've had. And it was just. Jeez, you've been so busy. You know, it's not like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just business as usual, though. I had plenty of time at home. You know, ideally, because I have life at home and kids and stuff. You go home for three months is usually, on average, what it works out for. And then I go away for three and home for three. Yeah. That's kind of the average, if you were to add that's it all right. up. So final question, you're in pre-production yep. on uh, The Penguin. Um, yep. I just, I, I'm so jumping out of my, I'm frothing with this show. I can't wait for it to come out. Me too. So I'm oh, going to be blown away. I don't know. Jesus, I don't know. I mean, you'll be blown away by the makeup because it's just, I don't know how and I couldn't, I don't know enough about the materials and about the different choices of skin tone that Mike Marino and Mike Fontaine are 
are using, but it's even the makeup is even somehow in a very subtle way, even better. It's even it's 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 just more perfected. So I'm in New York now. I'll head back to Los Angeles tomorrow. We spent the last two days, three days in New York doing makeup tests and camera tests with wardrobe and stuff and and, um, meeting some of the other actors. And we start shooting on the 27th or 28th of this month. I I have to say, I don't know that I've been more excited because like going to do the Banshees, right? I was really excited about working with Martin and Brendan again and Kerry again and Barry again and seeing a bunch of crew that I had some of the crew on Banshees I hadn't seen in 20 years. So I was so excited. I was so excited to get home. And I'd been to, I'd never been to Ackle, but I'd been to Inishmore. I love the West of Ireland. Who couldn't? And so I was very excited about that. But I also had a kind of a degree of trepidation as well, because I knew it'd be, I knew it'd be a bit sticky at times. And I knew it'd be a bit sad at times, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Even though it's make-believe. Um, yeah. And you were going into a very tricky, very dark story. The Penguin show is dark, but there's, I've just got such license to explore in it and there's such a kind of I've spoke referred to before such a freedom beneath the makeup there's some kind of permission you're given to explore in a way that's hard to give yourself when it's just your visage you know yeah. um so I'm, I'm super excited about it I've read the first five of eight and they're without shadow of a doubt extraordinary scripts oh they're man so, they're so good man which it's doesn't even, doesn't mean I'm not saying that the show's going to be I just it's on happy. paper Fucking great stuff. So excited. I'm so excited. Me man, too. Thank, thank you so much for your time today, Colin. I Thanks love so much for your generosity, you. man. It's a pleasure talking to you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.